Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, and I am Sean McCraney, your host. If you have family or friends who can't watch the show live, tell them to go to www.bornagainmormon.com. They click on the TV shows, there's some instructions there, and pretty soon a picture comes up, and they can watch it live from anywhere in the world. Sometimes we have quality Sometimes we have quantity. Tonight we have quantity and quality in our studio audience. You got to see this. It's like a, it's like a revival in here. We have Lance. We have Dave and Brandy. We have Reed. We have Kathy. We have Lee and Linda. And it's Linda's birthday. 47 years old. She looks like she's 29. I'm telling you. Dave and Carol. Glenn and Glenn and Betty. Great friends, Margaret, Lance, and Catherine, fantastic people. Jed, the old, he prayed for us, and so the show's going to be especially nice. Mike, we have Dave and Nancy, Rachel and Sean, Scott, Carolyn, Tammy, Stacy, Mike, and Robert. Yeah, we praise God that uh, we have such an audience tonight. Shoutouts. Carol from the prison ministry tells me, she called me the other day, that the numbers of, of prisoners coming to the Lord has been phenomenal of late. And uh, we just praise God that uh, people are coming to know uh, the way, the truth, and the life in the big house. A shout out to you guys out there behind bars. Uh, turn to him and life gets better. Uh, to Carmen, to Nancy, and uh, to Steve and Natalie. To, the, uh, to Glenn, my good friend who I had a great talk with today, to the pastor in the pub faithful, to Aaron, thank you very much for the very long letter, to Caleb McCurry, we hope your health improves, my brother, Jamie and Laura S., Tammy, Pam, Tracy, Sydney, and Kristen, Pat S., it was great getting to know you, Valerie B., Nancy B., Helen and Terry T., Kate, Brian B., out in Ohio, Pam at Utah Artist Hands, Zan, great to hear from you, my sister, and anyone I missed who sends notes, letters, emails, prayers on our behalf, thank you so much, and God bless you, and also Terry, who is at the restaurant today, and Kimberly, her daughter. I'm titling this part, Unbelievable. This was unbelievable today, because I'm out and about, I, I eat out quite a bit, and I was in a restaurant today, kind of a fast food sit-down restaurant, and uh, there were four uh, nicely dressed women who were sitting behind me. And when the group finished eating, the grandmother of the group said, you have a tremendous um, 
impressive powers of concentration because I have my laptop and I was just working through and I like the chaos when I when I'm working on stuff it just helps me go and she said are you writing a book I said no but I've written a book and I said are you a reader and suddenly this other lady pops up and she says I'm a reader I'm a voracious reader and I said oh awesome I said well let me grab you a book and she was really excited to receive it so I ran out to the car and uh, grabbed the copy and I handed it to her and she took it and she turned it over and she read the title I am not kidding you. She started physically shaking. And she acted like it was the satanic Bible or something. I mean, she was so freaked out, literally freaked out. And she said, are you LDS? And I, I smiled and I said, uh, that was Robert's phone, by the way. I smiled and said, I was. And then she said, I can't, I can't read this. No, 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 no. I can't read this. No. And um, I said, wait, just re relax, it's okay. I said, it's not anti-Mormon, it's just a very, uh, it's kind of a, a journey through Mormonism, and, and I talk about how to come to know the Lord and have a relationship with Him. No, I cannot read this. Um, she said, I can't cloud my mind with anything like this. Even though she probably had forgotten that she said she's a voracious reader. And uh, I said, listen, just read the first chapter. Just try it. If you don't like it, you can throw the book away. And no, 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 she whispered. I've heard about you. I read about you in the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, I have to leave. I'm the driver of the group. I have to leave. So we headed back toward the front of the restaurant, and a very well-dressed woman who looked like it was this lady's mother and probably a general authority of the LDS church kind of stepped forward and said, what is your, what's this book you've written? And the lady I offered the book to stepped in front of her with her arms out like she was a, 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 poli a riot police person. No, 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 mom, no, step back, no. I couldn't believe it. I said, what, what have they trained you that you are so afraid of something that says born again Mormon? Why would that terrify you so much? Well, they walked away and then the grandmother was still, was still standing there. And I just smiled and said she wouldn't take it. And she said, well, what is it? And I said, I handed it to her and she looked at it and she said, oh, well, they're not going to read that. They're Mormon. And then she said, but I will. <laughs> and uh, so she took it. And uh, it was just unbelievable what kind of a group or religion would get their people to automatically take a book, judge it by its cover, and cause them to physically shake, physically fear, Something that, if you read the book, you'll find out that it really, there's nothing in there to fear at all. So it was really unbelievable. Now for a great segue, let's talk about the book for a second. I was a born-again Mormon. It's available at Oasis Books in Logan, Gift of Grace Books in Springville, Seeds, the bookstore at Christ Evangelical Church, Christian Gift and Bible in Sandy, Calvary Chapel Bookstore in Salt Lake City, and Benchmark Books in Salt Lake City. Of course, you can get it at our website at www.bornagainmormon.com. Now, I personally believe, and this is totally unbiased, that it's a fantastic book. And um, that it's a great read if you're LDS and you want to know why Christians talk about being born again and this and kind of... They're Jesus freaks, and why that? Well, how are Christians get that way? Well, I was LDS, and and I and I became that way. How does how does that happen? The book is not anti-Mormon. You might consider the show that I do anti-Mormon, but the book is not that way whatsoever. And um, I think it will help you understand the difference between religion and a relationship with the Lord. 
Please, if you can't afford the book, come to us, email us, tell us you can't afford it. Or if you refuse to buy it, just on principle's sake, email us, give us your address, and we'll send you one for free. Because we know it's so important for people to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ versus a relationship with a religion. And that's what the book is about, so give it a shot. We've had a number of emails complaining about the, our lack of posting the shows on our, uh, on our board. And I just want you to know we're kind of uh, we've passed the baton from one tech person to another tech genius. And we're building, and it's a transitory period. And we, we are getting that going. So please, the shows will be updated as soon as possible. Coming up in a few short weeks, we're going to be holding our monthly uh, gathering in Ogden, Utah. October's gathering was at the Brick Oven in Provo. This coming month, on November 5th, a Monday, it will be at Denny's in Ogden at 1250 Washington Boulevard. I guess they call it 12th Street up there as well. Between 6 p.m. and 8.30 p.m., we'll meet, we'll greet, we'll talk. And then we're going to go to uh, leave Denny's at about 8.30, and we're going to go to the Hampton Inn down the street a couple blocks, and we're going to do an open baptism. And I know of three or four people who are going to come just to be baptized in the jacuzzi at the Hampton Inn. It's an opportunity for a new beginning. It's an opportunity to make a public stance for Jesus Christ in your life, a true commitment. If you want to come and uh, participate in either or both of those events, you are welcome. We'd love to see you there. And then the uh, first Monday in December, December 3rd, we're going to be coming to North Cache Valley and uh, do another uh, heart gathering. So stay tuned for more information about that. Go to www.bornagainmormon.com if you want more information between then and now. And of course, we always meet Tuesday night after the show at Denny's here on 5th South and 150 West in downtown Salt Lake City. We hope to see you there. Finally, we have created, especially for people who are LDS and are disaffected, questioning, wondering, want to know about the Bible, a thing called Lord's Word. And I know you're out there. I I can feel it in my bone. Touch the TV. And no, I know you're out there and I know you're watching and I know you're sitting on the couch and you haven't been to church in a month or years or decades. And you just aren't doing anything about coming to know the Lord more. And so we created this thing called Lord's Word. We don't even call it Lord's Word Church. We call it Lord's Word Bible and Worship. And it's just for you to come to pray, to worship, and to hear the word taught for about a half an hour, and then you can leave. And it's just to help you get to know what the Bible teaches and help you establish your relationship. We're at the Gateway Theaters in downtown Salt Lake City, 9.15 a.m. to 10.15 a.m. every Sunday morning, and at the University of Utah Sunday evenings from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. If you're establishing your own church, stay there. We were looking for people who aren't and are looking for a place to come to learn about the Lord. All right, <clears throat> let's have a word of prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for this airtime. We thank you for the people who have traveled in our audience, for the operators, for the staff, for the technicians. We thank you for the station. Ask you to be with the people who are watching, whether they're here or at home that you will come through, your truth will come through in the message that we're going to talk about tonight. We pray for California as it's burning right now, that the people who are suffering there will be okay. And we pray for statewide revival here in Utah. In Jesus' name, amen. Before uh, 
I get into our topic, which is a uh, the first part of three on racism in the LDS Church. I've been impressed to take two or three minutes and address once again one of the most idiotic arguments the LDS insists on u- using as their proof of being Christian. The fact that Jesus Christ is included in the name of the church itself. Pardon me for being redundant, but I'm going to resort to an example I used last year on one of last year's shows to illustrate how this is just not a good argument. All right, so what I have here is some water. Can we see that? What do you want, two or three? And what I'm going to do in this glass of water is I'm going to take and I'm going to put in one teaspoon of sugar. That amount, that sugar and that water represents pure, total, unadulterated Christianity. That mixture right there, that's what it represents. That's how big it is. That is Christianity, okay? Now, if we take that amount and we call that true Christianity, which Jesus and God are proud of, and then we take it and we put it into something that's this big and it's all water, then we have a diluted form of Christianity, right? And there's only a small part of sugar in this amount. And yet, people will say, well, that's Christianity because there's sugar in it. It's sugar water, right? That's sugar water. It must be Christian. Now, imagine for a second that I take this and I pour it into a backyard pool. Could we call the pool water sugar water then? It would be part sugar. There would be some sugar in that pool, but would it really be sugar water? And would it represent true, undiluted Christianity? No, it wouldn't. It would just have some little part of it in that pool water. Now, what if we took that and we poured it into the Pacific Ocean? Could you say that the Pacific Ocean had sugar in it? Yes, you could. It has a full amount of sugar in it. But is it true Christianity? No, it's been diluted so badly that it doesn't, it doesn't reflect anything about Christianity at all. That's the same thing when you take just the name of a church and you put Jesus in it, and you say, this proves that we're Christian. I mean, his name is in our title. You know why the name is in the title. Before Joseph Smith was even born, or right around when he was born, the time, there was a restorationist movement afoot among the religionists of his area. They believed that the true church of Jesus Christ had to be restored to the earth, and people were trying to establish what would be in that true church. A guy named Joseph Campbell, Alexander Campbell, excuse me, Alexander came forward and he said, these are the things that need to be in the true church. And one of them was, the name of Jesus has to be in the title of the church. Joseph Smith had a, had a niche. He had an ability to put his fingers out and kind of feel what religious people wanted at the time. And so he, naturally, he met that obligation by putting the name of Jesus Christ in the name of the church. But because it's in there, it has no more bearing on it being Christian than if a porn theater was called True Love Theater, it has no bearing on if it's true love or not, right? Just because you call something something doesn't make it so. A a dog named Fred is not a human, okay? So you can't say, because the name Jesus Christ is in the title, we're obviously Christian. It's just just so insipid. It makes me nuts. And, And they bring that one up to me, so I'm hoping that you'll dig a little bit deeper. 
and I'm hoping that you'll prove your Christianity by accepting Christian doctrine and Christian principles and Christian beliefs, that you are saved, or you want to call it exalted, by grace and grace alone. That the cross is the, is the most pivotal point in the atonement of Jesus Christ. That there was a virgin birth. Uh, that the imputation of his righteousness is what presents you worthy before God, not your own. These things are Christian, not just the name in the title. So let's leave the ridiculous where it belongs. All right. Let's get into the subject, and then we'll uh, go to the phones. Last week, I introduced to you a word called Mormonicious. Mormoniciousness. And Mormonicious, I defined it as, quote, the changing from one doctrinal religious imperative to another without explanation. And I explained that of all the religions on earth, the Mormons were most deserving of being connected to this expression because they were guilty of this practice more than any other religion. We're still plodding along through church history, and before we move on into Nauvoo, and to the Danites, and to the Council of Fifty, and a host of other things, including the death of Joseph Smith, we must touch on a very peculiar piece of Mormon history. It's the theological treatment of African Americans, or what is commonly known as the blacks in the priesthood issue. It just so happens that this example of Mormoniciousness is quite paradoxical, quite paradoxical because where on the one hand we can mock the fact that it was capriciously changed, on the other hand we could conclude that the change was good and at least fair to black people, but then in a triple paradox is it really a good thing that any people are allowed to embrace a non-existent priesthood and enter into a temple of man-made rituals which does nothing but draw them away from Jesus? I don't even know what to believe when you start thinking about this stuff. Do you see what happens when men get involved and they start putting their ideas on who's this and who's that and how you can do this and how you can do that? It becomes a quagmire. And they were in a huge quagmire on how to handle certain things, and we're going to discuss those in the weeks to come. Now, I want to invite you to just sit back for a minute in the easy chair or on the couch and just relax. And I want you to start, just relax and think about what I'm going to talk about because I'm setting the stage, I'm building a case to show you over the next three weeks how this whole thing came about, the racism, the blacks and the priesthood within the Mormon church. This God who created and keeps everything in balance for us, from atoms and from quarks to the entire universe and beyond, He is the most supreme and magnificent creator, unimaginable, how creative he is. He blessed our earth with great and wonderful, almost incomprehensible diversity. Why didn't God make all fish in the streams and the oceans the same? It would be much easier for fisheries to catch them if they were all the same. Why didn't he make them all the same and just have them taste different? Why did he go and make so many darn species of flowers? Gosh, it's annoying. Why didn't he just make all white roses? Why did God get all goofy on us and create different vegetables and different insects and trees and rocks and 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 and? Why didn't God do this? Now ask yourself, did God create man diversely? Did he give us a vast variety of unique differences? Or was this the result of the fall of sin 
and or of the devil. Ask yourself that question. Did God create the races or did sin, evil, or the devil create the races? That's going to be a very important question for you as we go on through and discuss uh, racism in the LDS church. I can agree with microevolutionary processes where mankind can adopt certain physical traits because of climate and other things that help protect them, but I believe that God could have put that in our system. He could have pre-programmed us to where Adam and Eve started, and then as environmental changes were inflicted upon people, their skin color began to adapt and change. I believe God could do that. But still, it's a way of making us very diverse and making the human race very different and beautiful. But before we talk about Mormon's teachings on the black race and other races, ask yourself these things. Would God have been pleased if all the world was white? Would that have made him supremely happy? Or did God create the races diversely like he did all the other species and creations on earth on purpose? What do you think? Ask yourself if God created human beings beautifully and diversely in colors of red and yellow and brown and black and white, some with straight hair, some with fine hair, some with thick skin, some with thin skin, who or what is behind the idea that some races are superior and some races are inferior to others? Where did the spirit that fed into Hegel and Marx and Hitler come from? Who was it that is the author of this master race mentality? Is it God, or is it the result of ethnocentrism, fear, ignorance, or just the plain old devil? The first example of skin color being the result of a cursed or fallen people in Mormonism appeared in the pages of the Book of Mormon. Later, with the doctrine of pre-existence taking form and getting legs in Joseph's mind, Pre-existence took the place for the reason um, that we have different races and skin tones in this world. But in a historical chronology of Mormonism, it was the Book of Mormon that Joseph first offered up skin color as an in, uh, indicator of personal righteousness. Don't forget this, you Book of Mormon proponents. You people who love the Book of Mormon and say it's God's word, there's nothing wrong with it. Don't forget the race issue because it is one of the things that is categorically wrong with the Book of Mormon. Now, it's only fair to acknowledge that these opinions about race did not originate with Joseph Smith. Many people, many religious people of the day, many people who called themselves Christian of the day, held to the backward notion that skin color was indicative of God's favor or displeasure with people. I think these opinions had to exist in early Americans' minds and hearts to agree to slavery in the way that we did. Again, Joseph merely echoed the common sentiments of his day. He was great at doing this, but it doesn't make it right. Especially as the so-called restorer of the true church of Jesus to the earth. What does the Bible say about people receiving the gospel of different races? What does Jesus say? What does Paul say? What is said about different people? accepting and knowing the truth. Let me read you some scriptures. Listen to these. Isaiah 45, 22 says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. 
Isaiah 55.1, still in the Old Testament, says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. John 7.37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Romans 10, 12, 13 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3 says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. God our Savior. Did you hear that, President Holland? God our Savior. No such thing as the Trinity. Jesus wasn't God. Oh, anyway. Uh, who will have all men, God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? How about James 1? Uh, 2, 1 through 4. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons? For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come unto you also a man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in this place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Finally, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is confronted with eating unclean food for the first time in his life. This chapter is the opening of the gospel going to the Gentiles, meaning all those who are not of the house of Israel. And it reads, Acts chapter 10, 34 through 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, but in every nation, but in every nation that feareth him and worketh right righteousness is accepted with him. Now, there is an important story relative to what I'm speaking about, this racial uh, segregation and bias, because standard LDS response or justification for the racial discriminations of the past is an argument that says, well, didn't God discriminate when he only allowed Levites to hold the priesthood? That was discrimination that God allowed. Didn't God discriminate when he chose only the children of Israel as the covenant people? That was discrimination that God allowed. Listen, there is a huge difference between saying only a specific line of people can perform certain priesthood duties and God saying everyone can perform these duties except a certain race. Do you see the difference? It's such a big difference. There's, God will certainly call specific people and peoples for specific duties and assignment, but he has never forbidden a single people group from something while allowing all the rest of the world to participate in it. That's called racism. And that's what the LDS church is guilty of. They said everyone can have this priesthood except the blacks. And when we get into the quotes, you're going to die when you hear what they had to go through. The word of God, God's word, the Bible, is sure and true. 
Since even before the birth, death, and resurrection of the Lord, but especially afterward, God wanted all men, all men, all women, all children, any race, any nation, all his creations to come to him. Everyone. And this is key to the racism the LDS churches practiced. They would not, under their Mormonicious move in 1978, before their Mormonicious move in 1978, they would not allow all men to be saved. They would not allow that. For 148 years from the establishment of the LDS church in 1830 up until 1978, black men, women, and children were not allowed to be saved. Now, they're going to argue that and say, yes, they could be saved. No, they couldn't be saved. Because in order to be saved in the LDS sense of living with God, which is what Christian says is being saved, you have to go to the temple. And the only way you can go to the temple is if you have the priesthood. And if you don't have the priesthood, you can't go to the temple. You can't do the things in the, uh, the temple to save you. And so every black person who died was not saved for 148 years. Why? Because of their skin color. That was the reason. I'm going to stop it here. I'm just going to let that sink in, and we will go to the phones. 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We really want your calls tonight. I would prefer that uh, if they are first-time callers and if they're LDS people. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Tell me what you think about it. Tell me how this doctrine has affected you in your look toward people of different uh, skin colors. And be honest with us. I doubt we'll get them. We get a lot of criticism saying that we screen LDS people out who have a mind. We don't let them get through. We only let the, the dumb LDS come through on the show. Um, that is just not true. Anybody who is LDS, if you say uh, I'm LDS and I want to, you are go to the top of the heap. I'm telling you. We'll take anybody who calls. President Hinckley, Holland, give us a call. We want to talk to you. So um, while the operators are going through and answering the phones, and if you call and you get a busy signal or you get a recording, just keep trying back. And one other thing I was asked to say, uh, please have your question ready and turn your TV down. Turn that TV down so we can get right to the question. Let me read a few emails from Mindy. I think I read this last week, but it says, uh, I was saved while attending the LDS church and I was led out by the almighty hand of God. The Bible states when God calls his sheep, they will hear his voice. Those who are truly children will hear Jesus uh, through your show and obey. And that just goes right into the idea that if you're LDS and you are saved by Jesus Christ and you're not sure which direction to go, relax. You don't need to, there's no rush. You'll make the decision as God leads you. And once God leads you, uh, you'll be very satisfied with the decisions you make. Matthew asks, which translation of the Bible is correct? And he gives me just an amazing uh, summary of the NIV and the American Standard Version and the NRSV, the ESV, the NLT. What about all these Bibles, he says. And uh, I just want you to know that I believe that God can reach people through the Word of God, regardless of the translation almost. I mean, if you give one in Pig Latin, you could have trouble. But I mean, if because you have to consider there's a lot of languages out there too. And so we have translations from languages in certain editions. It's difficult. But if someone with a sincere heart is seeking God, he takes that book and he can reach out to you. I use the King James Version because that's what the LDS use. But there's a lot of very good, reputable versions out there that might even be more clear. Uh, check, go to a Bible store and check them out and find a good one. Uh, just don't get the Joseph Smith translation because um, it's going to be difficult for you. 
Karen, a Christian, says, just a thought about Mormonism and Christianity. Mormonism, Mormonism, salvation, a reward. Christianity, salvation, a gift. Mormonism, man reaching up to God with good works. Christianity, God reaching down to save man. Mormonism, duty. Christianity, love. Mormonism, giving tithing as an electric bill. Christianity, giving as a four-year-old is excited to give a sibling or a parent a Christmas gift. We are saved by grace, live by grace, and stay strong by grace. Great email. Uh, before we go to Gail and Roy, I find it interesting how you come on for the first while as a preacher, and now to get ratings, you stir the pot of anti-Mormon works. I'm sure you have ratings now that you have done, done this. As to your facts, you are so off base, but then that doesn't matter because you found a niche to exploit your ratings. Uh, she goes on and on. And there's even foam on this email. So she was quite excited. And I just want you to know that when the show first started, I really tried to go the approach that the book takes. And that is, listen, let's just come and reason together about knowing Jesus in a personal relationship. Church isn't perfect, but let's just work on that. And we just realized that it wasn't for ratings. We don't even have a rating system. But it was because the Mormons were calling and saying, oh, we love this. We are all the same, aren't we? And I realized I was doing a disservice. They weren't seeing the differences, and the differences are profound. So I had to go in, and what we do is we try to expose you to the differences with the backup of come to know the Lord and come to have a relationship with Him. We still say stay in your church if you're worried about that. You know, you want to do that? Go ahead, but let's come to know the Lord. But nevertheless, we do this so that people can hear the facts, they can argue with them, they can find out they're true, and then we can go from there. Let's go to Gail and Roy. Gail, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Uh, this is Gail. You've been to my house, and Roy. Hey, how are you, Gail? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Good. Hey, I just wanted to remind you of Philip and the Ethiopian who oh. was baptized on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, it's in Acts 8, starting with uh, verse 26 and goes through the end. You know what, though, Gail? The LDS would say, well, we, we have always baptized black people. That's no problem. Oh, I think they were first baptized in Washington in somebody's swimming pool. Who, who was? The first black man. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, there was a first black man baptized, but the thing about it is, Gail, is the LDS would say, uh, using the Philip example and the Ethiopian, that you can baptize a black person in the Mormon church, and you've always been able to baptize them. They just can't hold the priesthood. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, and so they would use that example of Philip and the Ethiopian as just being, well, so what? He was baptized. We do that, too. Okay, oh. well, I just wanted to kind of remind you of it. Thank you so much for the call. You're welcome. Okay, bye. See you at Denny's. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, I hope you guys come to Denny's. It'll be fun. We're going to Claudia on line four. Claudia, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well, Claudia. How are you? I'm fine. Is this... Is this Sean? It is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess. you got to turn your TV down, Claudia. Okay, I'll turn it off. <laughs> okay. How are you? I'm doing well. I, you remember calling me the other day? Claudia, are you uh, the waitress's daughter. daughter at Denny's? Yeah. I do remember calling you. Um, I just wanted to tell you thank you so much for your autograph, and thank you so much for calling me. And I appreciate everything that you're doing on the TV. 
Um, I have a question for you. Um, well, no, not a, actually a question, a statement. Okay. Um, the Mormon religion, I was born and raised in the Mormon religion. Uh-huh. I went to Hawaii with my um, uncle for a work mission. He painted the temple there, and I was baptized in the temple 13 times for the dead. Uh-huh. And they were to- I was told that, you know, uh, my life was going to depend on how they were received into heaven, which I don't agree with that, but... Um, how come the Mormon religion, like, the when they decided that they were going to buy into the Coca-Cola company, you know, that was okay to drink the Coca-Cola. And that so all of a sudden, you know, they could have the, the blacks into the Mormon religion. My stepfather was a, a black person. Well, uh, you want me to answer on the air or off? I would rather have you call me back. I'll call you back, and I'll answer for the audience. Okay. Thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, essentially, they're very, uh, very smart businessmen, and, uh, you know, the Coca-Cola thing, them owning Coke but not drinking it, they have no problem with that. Marriott is one of the largest purveyors of pornography in America today, and uh, there's at least three to five bars in every one of Marriott's uh, hotels, and a good portion of that money, there's a Marriott Center at BYU. They don't care about uh, contradictions and conflicts and morals. Uh, they care about the buck and they care about the power, and they'll justify it in the name of this is business and this is religion. So they've never really had a problem with uh, uh, having uh, commercial intercourse with the world. They'll, they'll do it. It makes them stronger, and they're uh, able to... Uh, uh, continue on and use that money for what they feel is uh, a real important purpose. So let's go to Diana and Sandy. Diana, you're on Heart of the Matter. Okay. Hi, Sean. Hi. Hi. Um, a comment and then a question. Yes. I called, or not called, I interneted to um, Mormon.org, uh-huh. got into the chat room to um, um, make my witnessing skills better. Uh-huh. And... Um, one of the, there was a comment by one of the, the missionaries that I was chatting with uh-huh. that is really disconcerting. Oh. And his comment was that he did not, he said, we, we do not want to have too much Bible knowledge because we'll lose our faith. And yeah, that would be true. But do you, have you heard that from Mormons? They don't want to get into the Bible because they don't want to learn about God's Word because they'll lose their faith. I've, I've never heard that, uh, but I know in practice it's there. When they teach the Bible, they'll say, we go through the Bible every four or five years. We go completely through the Old Testament and New Testament. But it is, it is, what it is is Mormonism as taught through the Bible. And they don't teach the Bible at all. They skip over very important parts. They just blow through. I remember, like, we covered Psalms in a, in a, in a uh, 45-minute class once. You know, that's Good their, grief. <laughs> yeah, that's their teaching of the Bible. You know, so, so I think in reality, I think practically that's true. Yeah, they don't teach it. But I've never heard anyone say that before. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. thanks. All right, Dan. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. We have Dolores, first-time caller from Layton, who is LDS. Dolores, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How Hi. are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. My question is, um, is this true? Did the Mormon church ever thought that blacks did not have a soul? Is that, did they ever uh, teach that? 
No, uh, in Mormonism, the soul is the uniting of the pre-existent spirit with the physical body, and that creates the soul. It's very different from uh, the Christian view of what the soul is, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the heart, uh, and the spirit of God being different. But Mormons believe that when a pre-existent spirit comes down and gets a body, that becomes a living soul. And so they, I don't believe I've ever heard, and I don't think it's doctrine, that they believe black people did not have a soul. What they do teach, and we're going to get into this next week, and I want to give direct quotes, is that in the pre-existence, where we all lived as spirits, Satan had a plan, God had a plan, and the blacks are like, hmm, I just don't know which one I like better. And they were called fence-sitters. And so because of that, they weren't faithful like the rest of the white Anglo-Saxons, you know, who came down and got the gospel. We were faithful. We said, God, we're behind your plan. But the black people said, yeah, you know, poor Satan, he had a kind of a good idea too. And they were cursed with the black skin because of it. So is this um, the reason why they did not send, for many years, they did not send missionaries to Africa? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of my pet pieces, I just cannot seeing a black person Mormon because my thinking is if I was a, an African American I would wonder well since they have changed their, their view on me what makes me believe that their other um, doctrines are true yeah. you know why accept me I was not worthy before why am I worthy now you know uh, we'll include some comments from black people who have become Mormon and, uh, and we'll see uh, how, they, how they explain that. But we're going to have those in the next two shows about what some of, some of them have said. I'm but it's interested. A, okay, keep watching. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Mm, they say America has a problem with electing a Mormon president, electing a woman, electing a black person. And someone said, well, if we just elect Gladys Knight, we'll get all three. All right, we're going to Denise, first-time caller in Kearns. Denise, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. I just wanted to first say thank you for your television show. You're welcome. And second, I um, just had a comment to make. Um, a few weeks ago, you were talking about how um, the, the kids would be brought into a room and shown a video, you know, about... Um, about the Christians being the devil and stuff like that. Well, along the cultish lines, um, they were, when I was little, I went to a Mormon church, and they did this simulation of an airplane and how it was crashing. I did that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only way that you could be saved if you, is if you were a true Mormon. Everybody else who was on the plane who was not an LDS Mormon, yeah. then they would all not be saved. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I just, in getting into all of this stuff, I'm slowly remembering everything that I went through. Yeah, that's, uh, that is great, Denise, you brought that up. For the audience's sake, what they did was they took all the youth into a room and they had these rows and they acted like the rose was the interior of an airplane. And we go and you sit in there and the stewardess, they actually serve like punch and stuff to you and you're sitting there like you're going on a trip. And all of a sudden the lights start flashing and, oh, it's going to crash, you're going to crash. And then you crash, supposedly, and the lights are all off and you're in black and then they turn them on and they, they say, we're now going to lead you. And then they take you into a room and they have all your parents dressed in white in another room waiting there to greet you. Uh, 
and if you were LDS, your parents are there and you going through. But if you weren't LDS, I, I don't remember having no LDS in there. But I guess the idea was no LDS are going to be uh, meeting you and you're not going to go to the place where your parents are. But pretty much my parents weren't going to be there because they weren't LDS. Oh, so beautiful. It's, it's just interesting. So Yeah, it's just part of that mind uh, thing that causes people in parking lots when you hand them a free book to start shaking radically. Ah, it's the devil. Exactly. You know, I feel I feel terrible. In fact, I told that one I was going to talk about. I feel terrible, mm -hmm. you, you, you know. So it was a great call, Denise. Thanks for bringing that up to my memory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and to other people in here's memories. Oh, I, I hope so. It, it's just interesting, so. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Salvatore, uh, first-time caller from Salt Lake. Salvatore. Hey. Hey. I, I just wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Um. I was over with the, I'm an ex-Mormon, by the way. Uh-huh. Not anti-Mormon. Uh-huh. I got four boys there. They're, they've all been on missions. Uh-huh. And they're, they're sort of grown up. My ex-wife's a Mormon. Um, this guy at the senior center said, oh, we had a Jewish party last weekend. I said, what? And uh, <laughs> he said, I said, oh, you had Kreblach, you had Knishas, you had Marcival. He didn't know what the hell I was talking about. But uh, my experience was, I was in the church for 13 years. I got, actually got married in the temple, uh -huh. in, the, in the Los Angeles temple. And uh, listen to this. So um, I got the impression that they think they're Jews. Yeah, they believe they are. And, uh, you know, and, yeah. and I mean, I don't think they say, oh, well, we're Jews, but they're like, uh, they're like the lost tribe. And now... I hear that the uh, they they shifted their their focus from upstate New York down to Central America. I don't know if you know about that. As far as the Book of Mormon, oh, uh, that uh, my my one of my Mormon friends says, like the like the uh, the pyramids down in Central America, those are Mormon temples. Yeah, I they, said, ah, oh, come on, get out of here. You know, yeah. this, is, this is getting a little ludicrous. It, it, ludicrous is a perfect word. Ludicrous. But anyway, I, my, 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 my real question that's always troubled me, not even before I joined the Mormon Church, that, uh, that Christians uh, seem to be uh, anti-Semitic. And I, and I know that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not a good thing, but okay. I, I, I say that in the nicest way. But You know what? Let me, let me say something really quickly. We'll, we'll move on, but uh, Salvatore, okay. is it Salvatore? Uh, however you want to say it. All right, yeah. let's, you know what? It, uh, if you're really a Christian and you read the Bible, you're going to find that if you're an enemy of Israel, you're in big trouble. you got to oh, support I Israel. That. I that out. So if you're meeting Christians who uh, don't like the Jews, you're meeting some very different Christians. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call, my friend. Okay, uh, you're okay. going to be over at, uh, what's, what's my call place at 930 tonight? Denny's, yeah. What is, where is that again? It's on 5th well, Fifth, Fifth South and 150 West. I might come over there, but... I look I, forward to meeting you. If I don't, I'll see you next Tuesday. Okay, I'll see you. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Some people are so nice, they just can't say goodbye quickly. They just, they, just, they just are great, gushing people. All right, we're going to Gary, first-time caller from Salt Lake City. Gary, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. I uh, just had a quick comment first. Uh, I've loved your show ever since I started watching it, probably about six months ago or so. Thanks. Gaining a lot of insight from the information you're giving out. Um, I just had a question. Um, 
regarding something that I remember being taught when I was a Mormon uh, in regards to being wary of churches or religions that grow rapidly. Huh. Uh, doesn't that kind of contradict what's happening with the Mormon church? Because they're growing rather quickly, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, well, at least some reports say they are, and some reports say they're not. But uh, they claim to be, and... Uh, I, you know, I've never heard beware of churches that grow rapidly from the Mormon side, but I have heard it from the Christian training I've had. But I'm sure they could have said that, and that would be counterintuitive to what's going on with the church today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the call, Gary. Well, thank you. All right, see you later. All right, bye-bye. We're going to Tamara, first-time callers, great first-time callers in Draper. Tamara, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Good. Um, the reason that I called this is actually, obviously, as you guys already know, my first time calling in. Yeah. And actually, my husband was flipping through channels last Sunday, and your show happened to be on. I guess it was a rerun. And since Sunday, <laughs> I've watched all but six of your episodes that are posted on your website. And wow. My husband and I have went through your entire, well, mainly me, because I've been a member since I was 14 years old. I converted, uh-huh. and I've been in and out of the church my entire life because I always knew something was wrong. I would ask a lot of questions, and I've always been a very inquisitive young lady. Uh-huh. And um, I always got the same answers, and I even got shunned a little bit because people were like, why do you always have to raise your hand and ask questions? <laughs> and um, I married my husband, who is married into a family that's been LDS forever and ever, and he was sealed to his first wife, who passed away. And when it came to the discussion of us getting sealed, I kind of, I reevaluated everything. And I said, you know what, I just, I can't do that So we have research. So we started researching, and we've been cast out by his entire family. Wow. <laughs> and um, it's been really rough for I us. Bet. And finding your show was a start to something wonderful, because I had done a lot of research in the past and kind of let it go, because I was like, well, maybe it's just, anti-woman, whatever, and I watched your episode where you interviewed Sandra Tanner, Uh and I did lots of research after that. Oh, I bet. (laughs) And I've spent the last three days essentially just reading everything I can find on the Internet, and today I happened to watch a video of an interview with Gordon B. Hinckley in 2002 regarding the thing about black history and why it took so long, Uh and the only answer he could give was he didn't know. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and he responded also by continuing to say that they are helping these people and they have great works going on in Brazil and that they're helping them be better. And I thought, are they aliens or are they people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It comes <laughs> through, doesn't it? Tamara, let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, so in all your discovery, your search, you're inquisitive, you want to know, are you and your husband able to tap into any other form of, of uh, service or Christianity, do you go to church? We, um, from your website, I looked it up because we just moved to Draper not long ago, and there's a church that you recommended there that I looked up. It's a community church, and we, we plan to go there on Sunday. So awesome. So we are going to go there for the first time. Fantastic. And also, I had already decided that I was going to, because we had stopped going to church and because we decided not to go to the Mormon church, uh-huh. and I knew that we needed to find a different church community, because I actually belong to the Church of Christ in oh. New Mexico, where I'm from, for four years, uh-huh. and um, we've actually found out all the information that we need went online, and I learned this through your show also, that there was stuff on the website about 
how to get our names removed, and we've since written a letter and everything else to get our names and our children's names removed from the record. Fantastic. Well, God bless you, Tamara, and thank you so much for calling and sharing that with the audience. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you later. Okay. Bye-bye. We have grains of Christianity all over the table. Um, let's see. We're going to Sandy from Sandy. Hello, Sandy. I can hear what I just said. Sandy. Oh, hello. You have to turn that off. It is. It is. Sorry. Okay. Um, I am a born-again Mormon. My little sister is not. But in their ward, I don't know if it's throughout the Mormon church or not, but they are on a quest to adopt all the little black babies they can. Oh, yeah. I've heard about this. And in the last three years, my sister, because I knew you were having the show tonight about blacks and the Mormons, I asked her, how many little black babies do you have now? And she goes, oh, my gosh, in the last three years we have, we have adopted 27 little black babies. Yeah. So I don't know if this is something new the church has put out or yeah. what's going on. but uh, I don't think that's making the black community very happy. Uh -huh. It's almost like them doing the vicarious ordinance work in the temples for the Holocaust victims. Uh -huh. I mean, what are they, making atonement by... <laughs> It's insane. I had someone tell me who has 20, uh, no, has, uh, uh, I forget how many foster children, that it's a, it's a cultural thing to have these little black adopted babies and fix them up and just prance them around like their new little uh, material acquisition from the family out there right. in Sandy. <laughs> Gosh. Does the stuff ever end? I'll be on this show till I'm 90. It never ends. It's great. I thought Not you'd great. like that little bit of information. Thanks, Sandy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. We'll have to explore that. What is going on with that trend out there in Sandy? And other places, we're going to Craig, first-time caller in Boise, Idaho. Craig, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, yes. Um, a question for you. Yes. Um, my question is, is that I, the LDS community, it seems like they um, have a lot of businesses in the background. And... Uh, you know, you see them own big ranches, you see them own big warehouses, and, you know, they buy up properties, and, and it's kind of interesting how um, the, the churches seem to be wealthy, doing well all the time. And I just wanted to kind of ask you, how does that, how does that look? I mean, how, do, how, do, how are you seeing that? Well, I see it uh, very plainly. Uh, I, all I do is look at the words of what Jesus said. Right. And I look to see what he says about what, it, what will happen and what it's like, typically, when you follow him. Right. And then I also look at what he's, who rewards us with the riches of this world. Right. And I look at the power, power system and everything like that. And I, it's obvious to me when I read the word uh, what's going on with it. Right. Doesn't mean God can't make good Christian people very wealthy. He has. And right. they use no, it. I, I agree. Yeah. But I believe that that is their motive. That is their system. And the more money, the more power, the more power, the more control. Yeah, that's how I kind of feel too. And um, I have some neighbors here in the valley that are really, you know, they're LDS and uh, have a heart for them. I really do, and I yeah. really want them to see them to come to the Lord. And and so, but I just kind of see things in the background sometimes, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> you keep being a shining light out there in, in Idaho, Craig. I will. Hey, thanks. I love your show, Sean. Thanks so much for calling. You bet, Sean. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. We're going to Jack, first time caller in Holiday. Jack, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, yes, uh, Sean, this is, um, I'm a first-time caller and an LDS uh, 
Yes. Uh, I, I have uh, <clears throat> been a member of the church for about uh, 37 years. Uh, my wife and I were uh, uh, married as Catholics, uh-huh. and um, uh, I think it's interesting to hear your comments and those of the people that are calling in. Um, it just seems like what everyone is saying is so different from the church that I belong to as an LDS person. Yeah, I've been married in the temple. Um, it, it, almost everything that has been said, and this is the first time I've watched your program, uh-huh. uh, is so very, very, very different from from what I believe. And I'm a I'm a strong, active uh, person. Now, having said all of that, everything in our church goes back to one basic element, and that is, did Joseph Smith have his first vision um, in the Grove in New York? Okay, and we're down to two minutes, and I have to say, Jack, with that being said, it is an ingenious thing to place that everything hinges on the church, on a first vision that is absolutely unprovable. You cannot prove it either way. So what it does is it makes people say, well, I believe the first vision was true, therefore I believe everything else that's in the church. If you said, the, the, they don't say the Book of Mormon is the keystone and the Book of Mormon is the evidence anymore because so much is coming out that makes the Book of Mormon very suspect. So they're backtracking now to the first vision because it's improvable, unprovable. You can't prove a negative. You can't prove something didn't happen. You can't, I mean, you can't prove that something that didn't happen happened. You understand that? Well, I do. I would disagree with you, though. How can you prove that Joseph saw God the Father in a body of flesh and bones and Jesus Christ, his son, standing next to him in a body of flesh and bones? How can you prove that? Well, I could ask you, how do you know that Jesus lived? Well, we, at least we have Josephus saying he did. At least we have a town that he says he walked in there. At least we have 200 witnesses. At least we have writers of, of, that come from all different backgrounds saying that he lived. But Joseph's thing is completely air. No, no, Joseph Smith has all those same factual things. Joseph Smith has none of those factual things, Jack. Is it Jack? Of course not. J- Jack, he has none of them. Your, your testimony of the truth is built on air. And that's not what faith is. Read Hebrews. Read what it talks about and what it says about faith. Jack, we're down to 20 seconds. Please call back. I appreciate the call, man. All right, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, it was a great show tonight. Next week, we're going to continue on with uh, racism, blacks in the priesthood. We're going to get into more specifics tonight at Denny's on 5th South and 150 West. We hope to see you there. In the meantime, God bless you. See you next week.